we're going to talk about some things that that are relative to March Madness, yes, but something that God was talking to me early on this week about, and it's something I want to title this sermon with. So let's go to um, Ephesians 4.21 together, and I'm going to be getting reading there. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. Everyone say the truth is in Jesus. That's where you find truth. It's a person. That ye be put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. What does that mean? That ye put off the concerning the former conversation. The word conversation in the original language means actions. That you put off your former actions. Like There's a change that has to take place for you to embrace truth and that whenever you do that, when you embrace Jesus, it changes your actions, which is corrupt according to the deceit, according to the deceitful lust. In other words, there were lusts, there were things that were deceitful in your life and you met Jesus Christ to his truth and you realized you needed to change some things. Somebody say amen to that. All right, I got an amen. Awesome. <laughs> and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Everyone say the spirit of your mind. That's why sometimes you can be tired and sleep will not fix it because you've been depleted in the spirit of your mind. You need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind that is hope and joy and excitement and that ye put on the new man. Everyone say new man. Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore putting away lying. Here we go. Liars are friars, right? Putting away lying, speaking every man truth to his neighbor. That's important. For we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Did you know you can be angry and not sin? Yes. Yes, you can be angry. Depends on what you do with that anger, though. So be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Everyone say place. So that's what I want to focus on. Let him that stole no more, steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. We don't labor to be rich. We labor to be able to give. Amen. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Uh-oh, here we go. We're going to catch somebody on this one especially when they're driving and have road rage. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Speak what's good that edifies, that it may minister what? That it may minister what? Grace unto the hearers. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice or hatred and be ye kind one to another. Okay, so there is somebody that needs to be hearing that right now. Be kind one to another. That includes your family members. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. Amen? All right, that's a whole sermon by itself. I'll open the altar call. We'll go home. That is a lot to take in, but I want to talk to you a little bit about what he was referring there about good communication creates grace for people um, and the fact that he says, give no place or space a foothold for the devil. And I'm going to just preach for a little while about creating space. Amen. Creating space. Jesus, would you help us to do what you want us to do with the rest of this time together. We thank you for your word. It's already anointed. We ask it to bless us in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen, and you may be seated. Oh, good times, good times, good times. We'll get to you guys in just a minute. Young children danced in the downpour like it was the first rainfall they'd ever seen. And it was. Parents threw back their heads, opened their mouths, and caught raindrops like they were libations. And they were. When it wasn't, when it hasn't rained in more than a year, raindrops are like diamonds falling from the sky. It would be forever remembered as the day. The day thunderclaps applauded the Almighty. The day puddle jumping became an act of praise. The day the legend of the circle maker was born. It was the first century BC before Christ and a devastating drought threatened to destroy a generation, the generation before Jesus. 
The last of the Jewish prophets had died off nearly four centuries before this time. Miracles were such a distant memory that, that they seemed like a false memory. And God was nowhere to be heard. Anybody ever been there before? Feel like God's not hearing your prayers. But there was one man, an eccentric sage, who lived outside the walls of Jerusalem who dared to pray anyway. Anybody have a situation before where you just went ahead and prayed even though you didn't know if it was going to work out? You dared to pray anyways? Okay, that's where you can throw amens anytime at me, all right? This is a conversation. I love you speaking to me. Go ahead and say, go ahead and preach. Go ahead. Come at us. Preach. That's right. This is the conversation, okay? If I stand up here and talk by myself, I can do that at home. I talk to myself real good. So let's just do this together. The generation before Jesus, they found out that there was someone that was still resilient in prayer. It was a man that stood up. His name was Honai, H-O-N-I. And even if the people could no longer hear God, he believed that God could still hear them. You missed it. That was where he wanted to put an amen. I'll say it again. Even if the people could no longer hear God, he believed that God could still hear them. All right, good. We're doing good. Class is in session. When rain is plentiful, it is an afterthought. During a drought, it is the only thought. Have you ever been in a drought spiritually before? Where you couldn't feel God, you couldn't sense God, didn't seem like God was moving the way you thought he would, but you had faith anyways, amen? And Honai was their only hope. Famous for his ability to pray for rain. It was on this day, the day they called it that Honai earned, would earn his moniker. With a six foot staff in his hand, Honai began to turn like a math compass. His circular motion was rhythmic and methodical. 90 degrees, 180 degrees, 270 degrees, 360 degrees. He never looked up as the crowd looked on. After what seemed like hours, but only, but it only been seconds, Honai stood inside the circle he had drawn. Then he dropped to his knees and raised his hand to heaven, his hands to heaven. With the authority of the prophet Elijah, who called down fire from heaven, Honai called down rain. He prayed the prayer, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon on your children. How many know that's a sincere prayer? When you say, I'm not moving till something changes, that is a prayer that God takes notice of. The world, the word sent a shudder down the spines of all who were within earshot of that day. It wasn't just the volume of his voice. It was the authority of his tone. Amen. Not a hint of doubt. This prayer didn't originate from the vocal cords. Like water from an artesian well, the words flowed from the depths of his soul. His prayer was resolute yet humble, confident yet meek, expectant yet unassuming. Then it happened. As his prayer ascended to the heavens, raindrops descended to the earth. Amen. Somebody. An audible gas swept across the thousands of congregants who had encircled Honai. Every head turned heavenward at the first raindrops as they parachuted from the sky. What, but Honai's head remained bowed. The people rejoiced over each drop, but Honai was not satisfied with a sprinkle. Amen. Still kneeling with the circle, within the circle, Honai lifted his voice over the sounds of celebration. He said, not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain. Rain that will fill cisterns and pits and caverns. The sprinkle turned into such a torrential downpour at that moment that eyewitnesses said no raindrops, that no raindrop was smaller than an, than an egg in size. It rained so heavily and so steadily that the people fled to the Temple Mount to escape the flash flood. Honai stayed and prayed inside his protracted circle. Everyone say a circle. Everyone say a space created. 
Once more he refined his bold request. Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain of your favor and blessing and graciousness, O God. Then like a well-proportioned sun shower on the hot and humid August afternoon, it began to rain calmly, peacefully. Each raindrop was a tangible token of God's grace. And they didn't just soak the, the skin, they soaked the spirit of faith. And it had, to, and it had been difficult to believe the day before the day, the day after the day. It was impossible not to believe that God had done something amazing on this day. Eventually, the dirt turned into mud and back into dirt again. And after the quenching, after quenching their thirst, the crowd dispersed and the rainmaker returned to his humble hovel on the outskirts of Jerusalem. Life returned to normal, but the legend of the circle maker had been born. Honai was celebrated as a hometown hero. There was one man that knew how to pray and he changed everything. Amen. Amen. That's good. Amen. Amen. And so we have to learn that there's something known in the scriptures as making a circle. One of the individuals that wrote this, this excerpt that I'm reading to you is Mark Batterson. And he wrote the book called The Circle Maker. I highly recommend it. But the people who lived that he saved were grateful. But there were some that called the Sanhedrin Council. Uh, the circle maker that called the circle maker into question a fraction of religious people isn't it funny how when Jesus came to earth he didn't talk to religious people he talked to the people that needed Jesus because sometimes religious people don't need Jesus because they have it all together amen they think they do anyways but the Bible says that he came for those that needed to be healed so he, they began to give him a hard time isn't it funny that whenever God does something the people that think they have control of God get uncomfortable members of the Sanhedrin who would criticize Jesus for healing a man's shriveled hand on the Sabbath day a generation later. They threatened Honai with excommunication but because the miracle could not be repudiated Honai was ultimately honored for his act of prayerful bravado. The prayer that saved a generation was deemed one of the most significant prayers in history in the history of Israel. The circle he drew in the sand became a sacred symbol and the legend of Honai, the circle maker, stands forever as a testament to the power of a single prayer to change the course of history. Amen? Amen. Chronicles 2 and verse... Second Chronicles 7 and 14, we find these words. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. It's interesting that the Bible return, returns us to a place of humility. That it says if we'll humble ourselves before God and if we'll repent of our sins, that God will not only forgive our sins, but he'll heal our land. Honai equals one man that stood and said, before we take a stand, we must begin on our knees. And I come to tell this church this morning that before we take a stand for anything in life, we must make sure that we begin on our knees. So the key question I want to ask you is what space are you creating and what space are you fighting for? We fight for a lot of things in life, but are you fighting for the things that are most important? Could we be fighting for space because we have cluttered our lives or could it be that we're fighting truly for the most urgent things, the most important things in our life? One professor took a jar and filled it full of big rocks. And then he asked all of his students, he said, is the jar full? And they said, yes. And then he said, no. And he poured in little ground pebbles on top of the big rocks. And they filled in all the cracks. And then he asked the class, is the jar full? And some were starting to figure out, maybe not. Maybe he's tricking us. Maybe it's a trick question. And so some said yes, and others said no. And then he said you're right, it's not full. And then he took a container of sand and he poured that over top of the large rocks and the pebbles and the sand drifted down in and filled the rest of the cup, the rest of the jar. And then he said, is it full? And then by that time, everyone's like, yeah, sand's filling the whole thing. They all said yes. And he said, no. And then he took a pitcher of water and he poured it on top and it sifted everything down. And then he asked his, his class of well and eager minds, what is the lesson or what is the meaning of this illustration? And then some young man raised his hand in the back and said, there's always room for more. <laughs> and he said, 
No. <laughs> he said, the lesson here is you have to put the big things in first or they'll never fit. And I come to tell somebody tonight that our lives can be so cluttered that we get clogged up and we can't figure out what the most important things are over the most urgent things. We're so overwhelmed with urgent things, we've lost the important things. And if we don't learn how to create space for the important things in our life, we will be run through life and end up in a place where we have great regrets because we didn't put the big rocks in our life first. We didn't put the most important things in our life first. Someone could say amen there I believe most of us know we have too much stuff do you know that you have too much stuff you'd be willing to admit that we have to learn how to pray and ask God to help us to keep the things that are important in our life important and the things that are not to let go I'll get back to this because we're going to come to that in a few minutes but I want to talk to you about making circles and creating space there's something that I found out watching the final four Headed on our way to the final four, I should say. And I know it's magic. I just found a rope. Just look at that. It's awesome. So I was here early, and I planned for you to be here. So um, whenever I was watching some basketball this weekend, don't judge me. I just, I just love basketball. Um, I was watching some basketball, and I realized as they were talking, there was some information shared that I did not know was going on. And that is that they start recruiting they start re looking for recruiting and scouting for talent whenever um, kids are 10 years old now. Did you know that? They start scouting for basketball players for college in fifth grade. I'm like, that's a waste of time. How do you know if someone's going to be fast, strong, and good at what they do in fifth grade? Well, obviously, you started growing by that time, hopefully, and you're maybe like, um, some players you've already got a little bit of height I'm creating a circle if you're wondering what I'm doing um, because you can think faster than I can talk so I'm trying to give you something to look at while I share this story so what happens is they begin to look at um, talent and they begin to search talent out and they found out there's a little equation that they can do that will tell them whether a person is going to be good as an athlete when they get into college even as early as 10 years old you know what that is they can go watch a person play doesn't matter what sport it is it's used a lot in soccer and basketball but doesn't matter what sport it is they find out that they found out that if they watch a person play no matter how young they are if they have a natural talent of creating space between them and those defending them or them and their opponent that they will they will be good in college because they have the gift of creating space okay so whenever they go and they scout, they're not necessarily looking for the fastest and the best ball handler and the most amazing shooter. They're looking for the person that has the ability to create space and plays because when you know how to create space, they know that you can make key movements and key victory and key wins. Amen? So the Bible that I read to you in Ephesians, we're going to look at that key verse. We're going to look at the verse that says, give no place to the devil. And so if you throw that up there for me, I think it's verse 14. I'm not near my notes right now, so help me out, find it. But what happens is when we begin to look at spiritual warfare and prayer, how many know that prayer is spiritual warfare? How many know there's spirits of darkness and there's spirits of light? There's angels of light, angels of darkness. God is light and there is an enemy. His name is Lucifer. He fell out of heaven into earth. And we know that he fell out and he deceived one third of the angels. And that it, they are called demons. Amen? Anybody with me right there? All right. The demons and the forces of darkness have a decision and have a plan and have a strategy. All right? They have a strategy. And when we begin to pray, we create a space for God to do something in our life. Amen? So victory comes from those that know how to create a space. Guys, you want to help me real quick? So what you do is when you start to learn things about God, you realize that, hey, I want to have a relationship with God. I maybe I want to read the Bible. Maybe I want to find a favorite verse. Maybe so what I'm so what we're gonna do, we're gonna do something in just a second. So just stand here and look cool because you guys are good looking cool. So what you do is you realize that I need to learn how to talk to God because communication is the first thing, right? So you begin to create a space with your prayer. And that space is something that the enemy does not want you to occupy. 
He knows that when you start creating space, when you learn how to create space in your spiritual life, you're going to learn how to have victory. Because that is the key thing. You don't have to be the best prayer. You don't have to have flowery prayers. You don't have to stand there and, Oh, God of heaven, thou doth hear me, and thou doth answer. <laughs> you don't have to speak in King James Version. You know, you just have to know that you have a God who listens. And so when you learn how to do that and you start to create space spiritually, like, God, would you help me to learn your word? You're drawing a circle in the sand, basically like Honai did, and you're beginning to pray real prayers. And the enemy doesn't like that. So the scripture warns us not to give place to the devil. It actually means not to give a foothold, not to give a place where the devil can put his foot, okay, where he has something. So you guys go ahead and try to put a foothold. I'm praying for my family. Get out of here. No, get out of here. No. See, I'm creating, I'm creating space and I'm praying. So this is what your prayer does. Your prayer actually pushes back against the enemy. So then when you start praying, you have to learn how to create a space for yourself, but you're not just creating space for yourself. Eventually what you realize is God wants you to create space for not only you, but for somebody else. Eden, would you come here? Because the people that you're responsible for now, that may be your fur babies. That may be anybody. I don't know, but this is my baby right here. So what happens is those that have, have, you have responsibility for. I'm not only wanting to create a space for me, but I want to create a space by praying for her. Amen? There's something called the third space theory, and it is something that's actually showing up in technology. It's where you have people in different physical places all connecting to one virtual place, which creates a feeling, an emotion. It creates a, a consensus or kind of like a friendship or a, a joining together in that space, even though that's not a real space. First the first place is physical. The second place is virtual. The third place is what comes from physical and, and virtual joining together. It's called a third space theory. Something happens when we begin to pray. Not only do, we, do I teach her that there is a place where we do not want the enemy taking hold in our lives. Not only is there a space where we want to, we want to communicate to them that it needs to be protected. It actually cre creates in her the ability to understand how to draw her own space space, how to create a third space where we have a relationship back and forth. So what I want to, I'll get back to that in just a minute. So what I do is when she watches me praying and she watches me praying for our family, guess what she does? She says, okay, well, dad's praying. I'm going to pray. So then the enemy tries to come in and now I'm like, get out of here, push him out, push him out. No, you can't get in. You guys are just going to stand in one spot. You guys aren't very good enemies. See, now I'm fighting one. It's one-on-one. -on -one. Now she's working and helping too, right? So what I've done is I've created, I've duplicated myself. And so then whenever I don't have the ability to be with her, she's now going off to college. Oh, Lord, help me. Amen. Now she's going off to college. And now she's drawing her own circle. Amen. Step inside the circle. She's drawn her own circle. Come on over just a little bit more. There you go. And now she's drawn her own circle. What I've done is that third space theory that they talk about is now she has a circle and now I'm still praying and I'm fighting off, but why don't you go on ahead and go over there? Now they know they can't get in, but she's still fighting. But what happens whenever she gets discouraged and the devil gets, now let him put a foot in there. The devil gets a foothold. Guess what? I'm, just stay right there. Don't fight anymore. Now, <laughs> I got to tell them what to do because they don't know what we're doing. Now, whenever I want, I go to pray, I'm not only creating a space for myself, but we're, notice that our circles are connected. So I can pray for somebody long distance that is not in my immediate circle. So say she's outside of my ability to reach her physically, or maybe I can't call her, but the spirit of the Lord, because I've learned how to create a space and how to walk with God, God's spirit will quicken me and say you need to pray for Eden you need to pray for your family you need to pray for your brother you need to pray for your sister guess what you have a connection with them and that connection is a spiritual connection
situation. And you can begin to pray, and I can begin to pray right here. Jesus, would you touch Eden? Would you take out the stronghold? Anything that the enemy has come to, you need to move your foot or it's going to get really ugly. You need to come, Lord, would you come and would you help? I pray in the name of Jesus. And guess what? The enemy gets pushed out of her circle because I'm praying from my circle. Amen? So what I'm doing is not only creating a space for me, but I'm creating a space of protection for her. And I'm praying in one place and changing things in another place. Have you ever needed to do something in one place and have it affect not here, but affect there? Amen? Have you ever had something where you just ask God, God, I don't know what's going on, but would you change the situation for my brother, my uncle, my niece, my nephew? Somewhere, someplace, right now, you need to pray a prayer, and you can't be there, but God can go there. God can step into a hospital room. God can change a cancer outcome. God can do anything if you learn how to create space and then connect your circle to somebody else. Amen? Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. You guys can have a seat. Oh, wait. I need you too, guys. Still need you. So, can you guys pick up my circles for me? Thank you. So, there's another thing that we have to talk about. John 7. Can you get um, John 7 for me? Brother, it's in my notes. I'm jumping around. You guys can pick that up. Just get out of the way for me. There's something that we have to do to receive from God. Everyone say, receive from God. In John chapter 7, verse 38... It says, he that believeth on me, everyone say believe. That's a requirement to prayer, right? We got to believe that God's going to do it. He that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said. In other words, believing on Jesus Christ has to be done. The way the scripture says you have to do it. Amen. So he that believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, not just because I want to believe, not because I think it should be done this way, not because I believe that believing this way is a good way to believe, but you have to believe the way the scripture says is believing. And believing in the scripture means that you must repent of your sins, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, be filled with the Holy Ghost. We'll find that out a little bit later. But what's, what happens is, he says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. What in the world does that mean? It's like, yeah. No, it's actually referring to the Greek word. It's like, hey, I believe. Check this out. I can make rivers. It's actually what it's saying is that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. That word belly there is actually the Greek word for womb. In other words, whenever you get filled with the Holy Ghost, there is a spiritual womb created within you that you can pray things into creation. Things that were not there before. Oh, that's a little heavier than I thought. I thought I'd get a bigger amen on that one because that's pretty cool. In other words, whenever you are believe, when you're a believer, that you, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. In other words, you can pray things into be. Go to the next verse if you would. Can you pull that up for me? Now, these guys here, they're going to help me with something. In basketball, there's something known as boxing out. Whenever, you, whenever someone shoots the ball and the ball is coming off the rim, have you ever, anybody ever heard of this, boxing out? It's called creating space. So whenever I want to shoot the ball, what you're going to do is either both of you are going to try to get the ball. Ready? Here we go. Any, any way you can. Look, see how he got in front of him? He got in front of him and he put his arm around him. Now what we're going to do is I'm going to do a pass. But, if, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believeth on him should receive. Notice that it's saying what I just said. He's talking about if you believe, you shall have, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he's saying, I'm going to clarify that. I'm speaking of the Spirit. Everyone say Spirit. That which they that believe on him should receive. In other words, you can believe and not receive. Okay? You have to create a space for salvation in your life. Okay. All right. Rough crowd today. Here we go. <laughs> so these guys, this guy wants to be saved. Okay? And I have salvation. I'm, I'm going to play Jesus Christ. I'm in a white coat before Easter. It's a bad idea. But that's okay. Don't judge me. So I'm going to give him salvation. Pretend this ball is salvation. And I'm trying to get it to him. Now go ahead and try to get open. Anything you can do to get open, go ahead and get open. Look, see how he's reaching around him? He's not giving him space. So then, now we're going to do this again. We're going to do this one more time. This time I want you to kind of bump against him and step away from him, okay? Ready, here we go. Bump, step forward. See how he did that? See the space he created? There's also something in football called a comeback route where, come over here. That's the defender. And I say, hut, hike. Set, hut. See how he turned around? And came back, he created a space for him to receive. 
That's what salvation requires of us. It, people say, well, you don't have to do anything to be saved. Well, that is true. But you do have to obey the scripture to be saved. And the scripture tells us, thank these guys for me. Would you do that? Would you give them a big hand? You have to create a space for salvation to work. And the problem is our lives are so cluttered sometimes we forget that we need to create a space for God to work in our life. Amen? There are 300,000 items in the average American home. Did you know that? 300,000. The average size of the American home has nearly tripled in size over the past 50 years. How many have a cluttered home and our houses are still bigger? And still, one out of every 10 Americans rent off-site storage the fastest growing segment of the commercial real estate industry over the past four decades is storage space. Because we have so much stuff that we don't have a place to put it. While 25% of people with two car garages don't have enough room to park cars inside them. And 32% have only room for one vehicle. Anybody been there? So what it's saying is we have a lot of stuff but we have no place to store it. You can't receive something if you haven't created a space for it. That's what I'm getting at. And the scripture tells us that we need to be full of the, that we need to be baptized by water and of the spirit. Amen? And so if we're going to need to be baptized by water and by spirit in order to be saved, then we have to create a space for that. Look at John 3, 3 through 5 real quick. It says, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Did God save all the planet? Yes, he did. Do we have to do something about that? Yes, we do. We have to do something to receive that salvation. Next verse. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? He's like, I don't get this born again thing. What, is, what does this mean? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Everyone say, that's crazy. And he was a wise man. And he thought, I need to ask this question. So Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto see, except a man be born of water. Everyone say, water. And of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's a very important thing to create space for in your life. Amen? Of all the important things that you do before you leave earth, you need to make sure that you're born of water and you're born of Spirit. It's in the Bible. You know what the Bible stands for? Basic instructions before leaving earth. That's how you spell Bible. You need to make sure you're born of water and of Spirit. And so go on to the next verse. He says to him in verse 6, He's, did, we, did we grab that? Okay. In verse 6 of John 3, I will pull it up because I might have given them. John 3 is, well, there it is. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Go on to the next verse. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. In other words, he's saying, don't be surprised that I'm telling you, you must be born again. Next verse. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound of it, but canst not tell whence it cometh from or whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So if we have to be born of water, and we have to be born of the Spirit, we need to know what that means. Being born of water means to be baptized in water. Have you ever heard that before? How many know be born, being born of the Spirit is to be filled with the Spirit? And the Bible says speaking with other tongues as the Spirit or as God gives the utterance. Why is that important? Because here in John 3 and 8, it gives the characteristic of the Spirit. The character of the Spirit of God is like a wind. Everyone say wind. The word spirit in the, in the scripture is the word pneuma from the Greek, where we get pneumatic tools. Where you, you know, you're going to fix something, and you have a wrench, and you can wrench all day on something, or you can plug in the pneumatic tools. Yeah, baby. And he's like, oh, Russ can't handle me now. How do you like my game? That's what pneumatic tools, it means wind-powered tools, pneumatic Tools, matic meaning powered, uh, wind, pneuma. So what the Bible says is when you're talking about being born of the spirit, pneuma, you have to understand that God's spirit has characteristics and those characteristics match that of wind. Well, what does wind have a character of? Wind is windy, right? <laughs> Sorry, that's a really bad one. Wind 
obviously it moves, right? Can you see wind? Is it invisible? It's invisible. That's a characteristic of God's spirit. He's invisible. When we say God is here, we don't mean that God is going to walk in in a minute in sandals and a long robe. We're saying that the invisible God of the universe has come into this room and I can tangibly feel that there is something going on in this environment. Maybe it's, maybe it's goosebumps, maybe the hair on the back of your neck. If you have hair on the back of your neck, you need to get that treated, but you know what I'm saying. Go ahead and uh, know that God is moving in this place because you sense, even though he's invisible, that the wind is moving. So it says, it says, you don't know where the wind bloweth or where it listeth, where it goes to or where it comes from. You don't know where the wind is going to or coming from because you can't see it with your human eye, but you can see what it affects. I was out fishing one time, and I like this story. I was out fishing one time, and I was in the middle of nowhere in Alaska, and I heard this thunder, this rumble off in the distance, and I'm like, oh no, it's a stampede of moose. But it wasn't. It was just like this thunder that was going, and I looked ahead to the edge of the mountains, and I could see the trees just moving like crazy. And it was about a mile away. I could see probably about a mile away. And I saw the trees as as the wind was coming toward me, and it just began to thunder. I mean, just could hear it, and the trees would just begin to lay down as the wind was moving and then it hit the river on the other side and all the waves ripples started to create and I knew there was something coming at me right the wind was affecting everything so I knew it was coming toward me and then all of a sudden it hit me like (laughs) you know I did one of those and I'm like whoa where did that wind come from well I saw it affecting everything coming toward me so I knew it was moving my direction it says the same characteristics that the wind has the spirit of God has you can sense the moving of the power and the spirit of God because you can see it affect things in your life you can tell God is moving God is doing something because doors are opening up opportunities that shouldn't be there are opening up in your space and there are times in every you're fighting heavy things and God will make it very clear to you that his spirit's moving and you don't know where it comes from or where it's going but you know it's affecting your life the other thing the other characteristic of wind if we're going to be born of the spirit we need to know what that spirit wind is the other characteristic of wind is wind makes sound from the thing it touches Oh, that's so good right there because the Bible says that the, the Spirit of God helps us to speak in another tongue. When you fill a cup full, because we're supposed to be full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Ghost, when you spill, and I'm not talking about like Halloween, like, you know, ghost costume. I'm not talking about that kind of ghost. I'm talking about the Spirit of God. I'm talking about when God fills us, we're formed to be filled, amen? There's an emptiness in us until we find the Holy Spirit. And when we find the Holy Spirit and get filled with the Holy Spirit, it satisfies a deep longing that so many people are searching for. They try to fill it with drugs. They try to fill it with sex. They try to fill it with money. They try to fill it with greed. They try to fill it with whatever. And I know those words seem to be like something you shouldn't say over a pulpit. Guess what? The world's been talking about all that stuff for a long time because there's so many problems with all that stuff. About the time the church started talking about it. Amen? Amen. All right. So... What happens is when if you fill a vessel full enough, guess what? It spills over the mouth of the cup, right? So when you talk about being full of the Holy Spirit or full of the Holy Ghost, it makes sense that it would spill out the mouth. And the fact that the wind makes noise from the thing that it touches tells me that when the Holy Ghost shows up, two things should happen. When we sense the Holy Ghost moving, we should voluntary, voluntarily give praise. We should make a noise. We should be excited. We shouldn't let someone put a ball through a net and get more applause than the God who saved us. Amen? Amen. 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 Don't be away with this whole thing where we have to be quiet in church. That's not what the Bible says. It says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. It says, praise the Lord. It says, play skillfully with a loud noise. Amen, Brother Reese. On them drums, I'm a drummer too. Play skillfully with a loud noise. It says that we should praise the Lord on the high sounding cymbals. Drums, keyboard, all this stuff that you see in church, bands, it's okay. Jesus likes it. Amen. In fact, Solomon, if you 
study, Solomon had one of the biggest bands ever created when he orchestrated the, the anointing of the temple of God. We believe that God likes us to make a noise when the Holy Spirit begins to move. Amen? We ought to be the noisiest bunch out there. We ought to get in microphones. We ought to get our hands worshiping. We ought to get our praise up. We ought to shout hallelujah, highest praise. If we feel the Spirit of God move in a place, there should be a voluntary effort to praise God, to make a noise because we feel him. And when we feel him, we should immediately respond. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you, God. I feel you here. That is what we should do. And also, when we get filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues, guess what happens? The Spirit is the one that proves by its demonstration of noise through the tongue that we have been filled with God's Spirit. Why, does it, why do I believe that? Not only does it say it in Acts, it says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for remission of your sins. In other words, you got to repent, which is just turning around. It's going one direction, saying, Lord, I repent, and I make a U-turn. That's what the word repent means. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Baptism is to be buried. The word baptizo was, was translated into the English language because the Catholic Church was, was, was already baptizing babies. Anybody know babies that have gotten baptized? The Bible says that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Anybody ever read that scripture? In other words, the person being baptized has to have the capacity to believe. If you are a baby, you do not have the capacity to believe. You are not going to hell as a baby if you die. You are not in the place where you have the capacity to believe. Therefore, you're not accountable for your soul until you can believe, until you know right from wrong. It's simply this. If you are a person that knows how to believe that baptism will wash away your sins, then you need to be baptized. Amen? So he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. In other words, baptism is important. So the word baptizo was translated into the English language because of the larger church establishment not wanting to create problems because they were already baptizing babies. And the word baptizo means to immerse, to put underwater, and they were already sprinkling babies. So they were like, okay, we'll just translate the, the old word into English because baptize is not an English word. We'll just translate it into English and continue to sprinkle, do sprinkling. But what they re really need to know is Jesus said, unless you're buried with me in baptism, do you sprinkle dirt on someone that's died? No, you don't. You bury them six feet deep, right? Unless, of course, we're not going to deal with cremation. We're just going to deal with burial right now because we're talking about burial because Jesus likened it to burial. So therefore, he says, you need to go down. In fact, whenever Philip was preaching to the Ethiopian eunuch, they were driving and he was sharing with him the gospel. And all of a sudden, the Ethiopian eunuch says, hey, here's water. What's keeping me from being baptized? He believed and he said, well, then there's a place to be baptized. So him and Philip walked down to the river, to the lake, whatever it was, it was water. And they went into the water together and he baptized him under the water. The Bible said that Jesus also came up out of the water baptized. It's talking about having a place where you can put somebody or bury them under water. It's a birth process. It's coming out of water, amen? Just like coming out of the womb. You come out of the, the fluid of the water. So therefore, you have to understand that when the, we're talking about being born of water and of spirit, we're talking about being born out of the water in baptism. In other words, the Bible says that your sins are remitted. They're washed away. When you get baptized, he washes away every sin and we baptize in that name because that's what causes sin to be washed away that's very important to know because people will tell you it's not important for you to do and it is very important because if you if you realize that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved you want to get baptized so then if you believe it it's time to get baptized. But then also, when you talk about spirit infilling, when the Bible says that it's like a wind, that wind doesn't have sound. It has, it has sound based upon what it touches. Then we know that we are filled with the Holy Ghost when we speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance because wherever pneuma is, wherever the Spirit is, it will create a sound off of the thing it touches. Now it makes sense that God would choose the tongue, right? Because he said life and death is in the tongue. A place of creation in your body is in the tongue. Hebrews tells us the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth. So God is efficient, right? 
He's efficient. He made eyeballs to see. He made tongues to talk. He made specific reasons, specific purposes for specific things in your body. So therefore, he uses the tongue when he chooses to do a creative work in you. Amen? So when you want to do something creative, the Bible says life and death are in the tongue. You can literally speak something into existence. If you want to change your destiny, start talking to it. Amen? Start speaking it. I'm going to be better. I'm going to do more. I'm going to be more. I'm going to be on time for work. I'm going to be on time for work all month. I'm, start speaking yourself into it. So God uses the same thing. The wind of the Holy Ghost speaks through us. And whenever he speaks through us, he's doing a creative work in us. He's creating a space for his spirit to work in us. Amen? So I've gone long on that point, but you have to understand that when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it says, as the Spirit gives utterance. But if you go back to that John uh, chapter 3 where I was at, it says that Jesus says, so are those, or this is what it is to be born of the Spirit. It says, he cannot, if you go back to John, I appreciate it, verse 7. I know you're looking for it, but you'll find it. Out of the belly shall flow rivers of living water. Next verse, 38, 39, 739. It's right there. So it'll say, it says that those that are born of the Spirit have this quality. Out of the belly shall flow rivers of, rivers of living water, but he spake of the Spirit. Next verse, actually. One more. Here we go. Many, uh, Christ, go back. Okay. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard saying of truth, this is not actually what I'm looking for. It's at the end of verse 39. So I apologize. Um, but I will tell you this, that Jesus said those that are born of the Spirit are evidenced by the fact that the wind speaks. So given that fact, I want to create a space for grace. Amen. I want to create a space for love. I want to create a space for God to move. I want to create a space for my miracles to happen. I want to create a space for the change in friends that want to change. I want to create a space for the change in my life, in my home, in myself. I create a space for the change in my habits. I create a space for the change in the patterns in my life. I create a space for a new birth in my life. Something to come new. Something to happen. I create a space for salvation. I create a space for water and spirit to affect me. In Ephesians 4 and 27 says, don't give place to the devil. Whatever you do, don't give a place for him and then in Ephesians 6 it says that we are to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand in other words that the places that we draw the circles that we make we have to be able to fight off the enemy's attack on those grounds 1 Corinthians 15 and 58 it says be steadfast unmovable be steadfast you know not the unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Therefore, fornicators nor adulterers, effeminate and nor abusers. First Corinthians, First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight is actually the one I'm looking for. It says, "Be steadfast, immovable or unmovable, um, that you may be able to stand in the day." So, what's interesting. If we don't have it, it's fine. I thought we had it, but I apologize for the media breakdown there. There's someone that said something very important. It was Martin Luther King in a Birmingham jail. He said, if the church of today does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church and, and waiting on God in prayer, everyone say creating space, it will lose its authentic ring. Everyone say ring. It will forfeit the loyalty of millions and be dismissed as an irrelevant social club. How many know that's already happening? The church has gone from being the salt of the earth to being a flavor, being the flavorless, ready to be thrown out, worthless church. Something that Jesus boldly admonished his disciples not to let happen is in the Sermon on the Mount, in a census that I just read. Uh, it said that 43% of children are growing up in fatherless homes. We need to know how to pray, amen? We need to know how to create a space for those that don't know how to create a space for themselves. In a CNN poll just recently, it said that Christianity has moved from number one in our nation to number four. We need prayer, amen? 
when just over 10,000 miles away is the headquarters of ISIS in Iraq and Syria and, and Boko Haram and in uh, Nigeria, I believe it is, in Hamas and Al-Qaeda and other places in that area. People that want to destroy our very religious freedoms. Amen, people. There, there, there needs to be somebody who's willing to fight for the ground that we have. Amen. To fight for the space that we have. If God doesn't show up, nothing takes place. And we must be willing to do that. I just read not long ago that there is... I've been reading and watching different things, but many do not understand that the family is worth fighting for. I don't care what the what the world does. I don't care the change of, of definition of the family. What I do care about is the fact that the family has always been the bedrock cornerstone of our society. And if you look at societies that lose the closeness of family, they quickly disappear in the history books and never are never found again. It's often that the down Downfall of society of a society was because of the downfall of the family. Amen. Scripture says that God puts the solitary into families, and I want you to know that I've come today to tell you that we've got to pray for our family. We've got to create a space for victory within our families and within our friends. Amen. Somebody. More and more, we're seeing attacks against Israel. I don't know what to do with that, except for to tell you that. God blessed his people, Israel. And what's even more concerning is not what's coming out of Washington, D.C., but I just read not recently, not too long ago, as 40% of evangelical leaders have changed their opinion on the terror attacks and the things that are going on. We just had a, an attack this week in London. How many were watching the news and saw all that was going on? And some of us even prayed, but I want to, you to know that those individuals do not have our best in mind. It's a fact that we have, we have Islamic terrorists that are willing to do anything to destroy freedom, and Israel is under attack. And so we must, and we, it's most important that we stand with Israel and stand for our freedoms. Amen. Some people are willing to fight, but we have to know what we're fighting for. We have to know why we're standing, and we have to know what God's called us to stand for. I think it's very important today that I tell you that when you have spiritual truth in your life, when you get everything right and you build your own circle of prayer, that you will begin to pray for other things the way you pray for yourself. It's a fact. The Holy Ghost is an unselfish spirit. It teaches you to give and to share and to do things for other people. And I want you to know if you've had a hard life, maybe God would teach you to use that hard life for his glory and change things. And sometimes when we come together, we pray for things. We don't always see the answers that we want. But sometimes God opens the door to get you further in than you were before. We prayed for Brother Adon to get an open door for a kidney. And the door opened, but the, the, the report was that it wasn't a match. And so or however the report came back, guess what? We're further in than we were last week when we prayed for him. We're going to celebrate that we've created more space, amen, toward his miracle. And you had something this week where you were talking to me about it. And she was just praying. We prayed for her. And she began to seek God on some things. And I'm not giving it away. I don't know if you want to share it with everybody or not. But if you feel comfortable, I'd love for you to share what you told me. Would you be okay with that? Please do. I, I have had um, really bad attacks every night, seven days a week, and it's really been frustrating. And I started losing faith, not faith in God, but just faith in that this prayer is never going to be answered. And then I, I had an appointment this past Monday for a doctor, and I thought, okay, God, I don't want to go because I feel like I'm saying you're not able. But I went, Steve said, just go. I went, she said the same old, same old, you know, there's really not anything we can do, but you know, whatever. I went home and I, I thought, okay, this is you, God. This is you saying, I don't need a doctor. I just need you. And um, I haven't had an asthma attack since. Not one. I haven't even used my inhaler. And it, it truly is a miracle. And I know it's from God. And I know he was working on me and, and increasing my faith and my trust in him and not in anyone else. So I just give him the glory. She was having them every night every night and God has done something we 
we, we created a space, amen, for God. And so I want to end this sermon with asking somebody, does anybody need something prayed for? Do you need us to create a space for anything in your life right now? And I don't care if nobody comes up, I'm still going to make the offer. Because I need to ask, is there something you want prayed for? Is there something you need to get further in? You've been trying, you've been efforting, you've been doing everything you know to do, but I want to create a space for somebody today to be prayed for and to have God do something awesome. I'm not the perfect prayer. Look, I'm a man like anybody else, but I do believe in the power of the Holy Ghost, and I pray and ask God to help me when we pray for things, just like all of you do, amen? And he hears us. He does hear us. Amen, amen, amen. He's like the fourth man in the fire. Amen. He'll show up whenever you need him most. Amen, amen. Does anybody need prayer? Anybody? I'll share with you. Let's stand together. I'll share with you one last thing. While you're thinking, if you need prayer, you just come right down here. We were traveling into Alaska from Oregon area. We were living in Oregon near Waldport, it's near Portland. And I went home and we were gonna travel north and we came off a wet bridge and we spun out and we went into the ditch on the other side and we hit a road coming out and we hit the culvert on the road and our truck turned up and it spilt everything in the camper out onto the road. And we didn't have the money to fix the vehicle. We, we only had enough money to drive to where my grandparents lived in Alaska and then stay with them. And it was just heartbreaking. It was like, God, why would you let this happen? Why would something like this happen to me? You know, we're trying to do something where we can be in a better place. We can afford it. And, um, and as a 12-year-old kid, the most important thing to me was my bike, and it was destroyed. I mean, how do you handle that? How do you come back from a destroyed bicycle at 12 years old? But while we were cleaning up all the mess there was a police officer that pulled up and he said, I was going home another way and I felt the Lord speak to me and tell me to turn around and come this way. He goes, I was already going that direction. I had to come back and backtrack to get to this road to come down here. And he pulled up literally two minutes after the accident. He got out of his car and he began to help us and he began to direct traffic and he said, it's okay. I'm going to help you. Our church is going to help you. And he took us to a home of a family that took us in. Man, they had they had dirt bikes and they had trampoline and they had video. That's all I cared about as a 12-year-old is they had video games and they had trampoline. I was having a blast. And so we stayed in Canada for three right around four days for free at this family's home. They fed us. They treated us like royalty. And while we were doing that, we didn't know this, but the church had recovered our truck from the impound where they put it. And they had repaired the truck for us and paid the entire bill. And then sent us on our way. And in all the pictures that we look at, there's another person in the picture that we don't know who that person is that's just showing up. You can't see their face, but they're there. Every picture, just this other, this other figure is there, and we don't know who it is. It was God, I believe, showing up to help us, because we knew, we knew we we could pray. And this man comes back to us, and he gave us the keys to the vehicle, and he said, "We built another camper on the back, and we walked out, and they had built out of wood, just plywood. They had built a camper, like a makeshift camper, and had tarps over it, and they had rammed all of our stuff that had spilled all over the road back into this camper. And we're like, we don't know what's in there, but we'll find out when we get to Alaska. But what we found out was that it cost them over fifteen hundred dollars to put our our vehicle back on the road that day." And we got home to Alaska off of God answering what we thought was a horrible situation. And my mother was in contact with those people and shared the Lord with them many years later. And that story alone is enough for me to go, if God cared enough to show up in the middle of Canada and he cared enough to pay for something we couldn't pay for and he cared enough to help us in a situation we felt hopeless in, I know that I can pray for you and God can change a situation. Would you bow your heads with me right now? We don't have to feel anything. We don't even have to know what we're going to pray. But there's somebody here that has a work situation. Somebody here has a family situation. Somebody here right now has a, has a need that isn't, that's so personal that they don't even want to talk about it. 
but I believe that God can do something right now as we create a space in this prayer. Jesus, I don't know what anyone's going through in this room, but I know what you did for me, and I know that you're a God of victory. You're the God of, of setting people free. You're the God of breaking chains. If there's anyone bound to anything in this room, we weren't meant to live bound to anything. We were meant to live free in you, Jesus. I ask you to break the chains of addiction and break the chains of anything that's hurting a heart or any wound that has not healed. Would you heal it right now in the name of Jesus? I create space in this prayer for you to do work in their life. God, would you do something? I circle any need right now in the name of the Lord, and I include it in my prayer. Lord Jesus, would you touch a family member? Would you touch a relationship that's fractured right now, that they don't know how to put the relationship back together? They don't even know how to maybe even talk to each other nicely. Would you recover that relationship? We circle those relationships right now. Come on, pray with me. We circle those relationships right now in prayer. In Jesus' name, we ask you to do a work. Lord God, create a space in somebody for salvation. If they haven't been baptized, we circle baptism right now in the name of Jesus. If they haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, Lord, help them to seek until they're full of the Holy Ghost and it spills out of their vessel. We circle spirit and filling in the name of Jesus for somebody today. In Jesus' precious name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you today. We love you so much.